Hello, welcome to How to Write a Novel. Man, I was just thinking, so lately I've, uh, I've been having a lot more ideas for that story idea I had when I had that layover in Russia. I think it's because on uh, my other podcast, Calling Home, was on hiatus for like a long time while I was traveling because I couldn't find a payphone to call home. And that's the whole point of that podcast. So I was catching up with my ma and telling her about my little overnight trip to Moscow and just got me thinking about all that stuff again and I had a bunch more ideas for it. For details, see the previous episodes with Moscow in the title. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's feeling like a lot more robust. Like I, I think I'm not ready to start working on that story proper because I've got other stuff I'm working on now. But I think it's getting close. And at the same time, I started watching the TV show The Boys that's based on the Garth Ennis comic. Because Garth Ennis wrote Preacher, which is my favorite comic book of all time. Although, ironically, I haven't watched that TV show. Because there's just too much shit to watch, so it's like, whatever, I'll get to it someday. But he also wrote The Boys, which is also an awesome comic. There's only eight episodes of that, so I was watching that. And, you know, it's about superheroes being pricks. Ah, fuck, I'm trying to walk through the woods, but there are spiderwebs everywhere. This isn't going to work. I'm trying to avoid the major path in this forest because there's too many people. But, yeah, watching that, and, uh, I mean, it, it just makes sense for superheroes to be fucking dickheads, you know? Power corrupts. So, yeah, the boys is about, like, this special unit that tries to take care of uh, renegade superheroes. And that got me thinking about, I don't know if I talked about it much on this podcast, but another idea I had a couple of years ago for a story about a Superman-type guy. And in my story, it wouldn't be that he's a bad guy necessarily. It's more just the malaise and the uh, isolation of being the strongest being in the world, particularly if you're the only one, if you actually are an alien like Superman is. And my major thing, what gave me the idea initially, was I just, uh, it was just paying attention to the sun. And, uh, you know, when it's dark, times a year when it's dark, and you're like, I wish there was more sun. But, I mean, the sun's always there. So if you were a guy who could fly and who probably doesn't need to go to sleep very much, why would you just hang around in North America, you know? Why would you be America's superhero? Fuck that. When the sun goes overseas, just fly with it. Just keep following it around the Earth. So that's the idea for that story, is just following a super-powered person for like a week. And they're just around the world, you know? <laughs> Different routes each day. But just always following the sun. Because I've never been extremely clear on it, but Superman has something to do with the sun. I don't know. I'm not a big Superman fan. I'm definitely of the school of thought that he's uh, he's one of the more boring superheroes because he's just a strong guy who fucking gives a shit, you know? The only thing interesting about that, what's interesting about every superhero is the, their downside, you know? I always think, like, one of the best ones ever is Rogue from the X-Men where any person that she touches, she can take their powers, but she can't turn that off. So in exchange for this amazing strength, 
she can never touch anybody. Like that's a classic, classic superpower duality. So to me, that's what's interesting about Superman, if anything, would just be his disconnection from the human race, which is obviously what Alan Moore did with Dr. Manhattan and the Watchmen. I mean, to an even more, like a way higher degree, Dr. Manhattan gets to the point where he can't really recognize people as being important. To him, they're just atoms, you know? It's like he just can't, he can't focus anymore on the layer of reality that treats consciousness as something that's important. <laughs> to him, it's all just, it's all just math. It all just means nothing. So I wouldn't go that far. But I think being Superman would be fantastically lonely and low key and just kind of, uh, it'd be a quiet life, <laughs> you know? It wouldn't be all this action and fucking, oh geez, I'm, if I caught the airplane that's gonna crash and I'm flying it to the ground, like even if he did that stuff, he wouldn't care, he wouldn't give a shit. His uh, connection to people would just become less and less and less all the time. And I guess to, you know, what I would draw from for that feeling is like well, all the traveling I've been doing in my adult life where I just travel around, I'm by myself a lot. It's just the tiny little miniature version of that idea, but it's enough, you know, you can just take those times and those feelings and just explode them to their super powered size. So I've been having a lot more thoughts about that and I even had today where I really felt like, yeah, I, have, I, I would be ready. Were I to start writing that story, I'm ready now. Because I've got a lot of notes, I got the basic premise, I've got unending, it's not the greatest ever, but it would do if I don't come up with anything else. But I didn't have a name because it's obviously not Superman. Because I don't own Superman. As like, Man of Tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure that is one of the official titles for Superman. You know, I think that's even a name of a Superman comic, if I remember right. So then there's Tomorrow Man, but that's not very good. I just don't really like that title. I don't know, that was the best I could come up with. But just today I came up with the title. I was thinking of, uh, I don't know much about Nietzsche, but I know the Ubermensch that uh, I guess he wrote about a lot, you know? people would draw comparisons between him and Ayn Rand, and Ayn Rand would always uh, totally deny that connection. That, you know, this idea of the Ubermensch, the Superman, the people that are better than other people that have power over others or deserve to have power over others. If you have like a surface understanding of Ayn Rand, it does seem like that would connect. Her characters seem that way, her writing seems that way. But if you get into it a little more, it's not that there isn't that kind of stuff in Ayn Rand's writing, but it was kind of inadvertent or like unintentional. It's not what she meant to put forward. It's not, those aren't her official beliefs, you know, those are just things that happened based on her crazy personality. You know, it came out that way, but it's not really what she wanted. It's like, her manifesto on paper is not about controlling other people or being above other people. It's about evenness and equality. And the only way to be even and to have equality is to have freedom from each other. 
So people back in the day would get real upset about her like conservative politics because uh, she was opposed to social programs and socialism of any kind, really. Because, I mean, she came from early 1900 Soviet Russia. You know, she came from the place where that stuff was in full swing and ruined everything and didn't work at all. But then she moved to America and got transplanted into America at the height of uh, socialism being really fashionable. And she was like public enemy. It's <laughs> like, how can you not agree with this stuff? How can you not believe in this stuff? And I mean, it's, it's really hard to defend Ayn Rand. She said crazy stuff and she said it in a crazy way. But that basic tenet is good. That basic idea that it sounds nice to be socialist. It sounds nice to be communal. It sounds nice to be connected. But you're putting the power of your freedom into someone else's hands. You know, you're putting... That's why it's like so hard to discuss political ideas and philosophical ideas because it's like both sides would say they want equality. Socialists would say we want equality by everyone having the same amount of stuff and having access to the same resources and trying to make everyone's life the same. Where Ayn Rand would say that she wants equality by giving everyone equal freedom and the only way to have equal freedom is everyone needs to be disconnected from each other. No one can have power over you. And where it gets dicey is like, if I'm forced to give to someone else because they have less than me or they're more in need than me, it sounds nice on the surface, but that is still being forced to do something. The way she would put it is at gunpoint, which is a good example of how she didn't put things in an easily digestible way. And she always said things in more of a harsh way than she needed to. But it's true. It's like you're forced to or what? What if you don't? Well, then you're fined or you're arrested or you're jailed. You know, you're forced. And that's just not freedom. That's not equality. That's just, and I agree, <laughs> you know, that's just. But the point is, yeah, so the, the Nietzschean thing, the, the Ubermensch, the Superman, the some people are better than others, some people are more valuable than others. The little that I know of it, I know through Ayn Rand. I don't really, I haven't really read a lot of Nietzsche stuff myself. I think, though, I probably would like it because I'm not, I don't know, well, let's say another, like, that's another irony. I think that I'm way more even-keeled on the surface than a lady like Ayn Rand. You know, just to hear me talk or just to meet me or whatever, you'd be like, yeah, that's, that guy sounds pretty reasonable. He doesn't sound so crazy. Where under the surface, I think probably Ayn Rand was more reasonable and more even-keeled and more uh, considered, where... Where if you get under the surface, I think I kind of do believe in survival of the fittest and the strong prevail and fucking inequality for all because everyone is different. And uh, some people are going to be in control and some people are going to get fucked. So, yeah, I haven't read a lot of Nietzsche, but uh, I mean, it's like uh, way back in the day. It's getting so nerdy. But when I was talking about magic cards and when you learn about the colors in magic cards... There's black and there's red, and I always thought I was black, where black is just, like, intense individualism. But I just didn't really fit in with those people. And then when I learned about red, <laughs> it was like, oh, oh yeah, red is just passion and craziness and feeling 
you know, what you feel is the truth. What you feel is right. And uh, if it's kind of crazy and fucked up, but well, that's just how it fucking is. I'm like, oh shit, I'm red. <laughs> I don't know, what the fuck am I talking about? You can go find those episodes too. Fucking. Some days I have a hard time getting to the point, you know? The whole point though is that the actual translation of Ubermensch is not the Superman, it's the Overman. That's the actual translation. It's like how du hast, du hast mich. In the English translation of that song, du hast, it's you, you hate, you hate me. You hate me to say, but I will not obey. But the actual translation is not you hate, it's you have. You have me. And the full sentence, if you extrapolate out the meaning, is you would have me say. So du hast is really, you would have me say this, but I will not. <laughs> you know, doesn't really roll off the tongue as a direct translation. And I notice that all the time, because uh, the only language I know besides English is French. But I think about that all the time, because I went to French school. And if you look at virtually any sentence in French and directly translate it to English, it's not right. It just doesn't quite work. It's not quite the right feeling. And I just kind of roll it around in my head. I'm like, well, like what would be the actual sentence? How do you really say what this means? And sometimes they're just, it's, you just can't. There's stuff in French that just doesn't happen in English. It just doesn't work. Even just in that show, The Boys, there's a French character. And he called someone Monquel, <laughs> which just means my heart. But you wouldn't say that to somebody as a term of endearment. You know, you know, you can't just say like, hello, my heart. You know, that doesn't work. You have to change it to something else. Like, oh, hello, my dear. Hello, hun. Hello, honey. Hey, babe. <laughs> you know, you have to turn it into something because Monquel doesn't work. That only works in French. This is a tiny example, but those are everywhere. So the literal translation of Ubermensch is Overman, but nobody says that because it doesn't sound cool in English. The Overman. It doesn't even really get across the right meaning because it's meant to be the person who is above others, the Overman. So they change it to the Superman, the Nietzschean Superman. Hence Superman, and next thing you know, you got an invincible guy who can leap over tall buildings in his underwear, and then uh, that's not good enough, so let's make him bulletproof, and that's not good enough, so let's make him fly. That's not good enough, let's make him not have to breathe. Let's let him fly through space. Let's let him fly so fast that he can reverse time. <laughs> like, it just got out of hand so fast with Superman. Superman is so fucking stupid. But I realized that could be my title, The Overman, because like, Nerds will know what I mean, <laughs> you know? They'll know where the term Overman came from. They'll know its connection to Superman. They'll know, oh, you know, I put some Superman-type imagery, a nice silhouetted superhero on the cover. Call it the Overman, and every nerd worth his salt will know, oh, this is a Superman story. Which is pretty well-trod territory, you know? There's a long history of people writing Superman stories that aren't Superman, you know, like fucking, like Dr. Manhattan I mentioned. Or in The Boys, his name is The Homelander. 
etc etc but with that last little piece i was like you know what i think i got enough i think when the time comes i got enough especially uh I've realized working on this book I'm working on now that I can get away with a lot fewer notes than I thought. I had some episodes about that when I was in my hometown. False Alarm, the episode was called, because I remember I got to a point in my book where I'm like, oh shit, my notes really suck for this part of the book. Because somewhere deep in my mind, I never really thought I'd get there. So I was like, well, whatever, I'll worry about it when I get there, but I'll never get there. But because I've been consistently working every day, I got there. And I was like, oh fuck, what am I gonna do? And I realized it was fine. Like, as long as you have a general sense of the story, you have a title, you have an ending, and you just got whatever, a scattering of notes. More never hurts, but, but you don't need as many as I thought you did. And I'm like, all right, that story's ready to go. The Overman, it's ready to go. I just need to finish previous stories that I'm working on now. And that one's all set to move into the queue at some point in the future. And I was thinking how it's like a boat, <laughs> you know? It's like I'm building a boat. And I just kind of know internally when that boat is ready to be pushed out into the water, you know? Until it's ready, I don't want to start working on the story because I'll push my fucking barge out into the water and it'll just start taking on water and uh, I just won't make it to the other shore, you know? I'll work on the story for however long until eventually it just fills with water and it sinks and I'll never get to the end. But I just can feel it. I know inside when I've got all the pieces, when I've got enough pieces, and I've got enough pieces with the Moscow story, I've got enough pieces with the superhero story, those are both ready to start. Whereas I have like this other story, well, a few stories I've been working on quite a bit lately. The one about the, the teen girl gang with the different colored jeans, it's close, but not yet, not quite. There's this one I've been writing quite a few notes for lately about this kid traveling through the woods with uh, this priestess who's in a trance, and he's gotta ferry her from one place to the other. That one is quite a ways, it's not ready to go. Uh, I got this one about this girl who can split into five copies of herself. I have lots of notes for that one, but it's just not ready. It's just not, not enough. Not enough there yet. I just don't have that confidence to push that boat out into the water because it's going to sink. But Moscow and Superhero, they're ready. They're seaworthy. Once I have the time to do it, once I have the time to dedicate to the journey, because that's the other thing. You push the boat out into the water, you get in that boat, and then you stick with that story every day till it's done. You keep paddling that boat. You keep navigating to the other shore. You can't get all distracted and confused and moseying around because you won't get to the other shore. <laughs> How good of a metaphor is that? Boat metaphor. And I was thinking, I started working a bit on this horror movie idea with my friend Ray. I'll get into that a little bit in an upcoming episode where uh, it's going pretty well but but I'm going very slow as I always do as I go slow with all these things and I really think that is a huge part of it is like I was surprised in all these cases like with the horror movie I'm like wow this is coming together pretty well but I've been working on it slowly and I'm in no hurry I'm going to continue to work on it slowly the Moscow idea came together pretty quickly 
And that was only five months ago that that happened, I guess, about five months ago. And I have all the pieces I need now, but even though I got most of them up front, it still took five months for me to be at this point I'm at now where I'm like, yeah, I'm confident in this, I could do this. It took some time. The superhero one, I don't know when I had that idea, but it was at least two years ago, maybe three. So that took quite a long time. But none of it felt especially hard because I'm taking my time. And it's funny, it's like writing, it's the same equation as climbing up that hill in Fukuoka. The same basic junior high physics, the uh, energy over time. If you try to rush up a hill, it's very, very hard. But if you take your time and you just go up and you take all afternoon, it's not that hard. And it's the same thing with mental work, with the mental work of writing. If I had to write these things in a hurry, if I had to write these stories in like three months, you know, if I was under some wacky deadline, this would be unimaginably hard. I think impossible. I honestly don't think I could do it. But because I'm just going at a slow, consistent pace, that's where I feel like, yeah, I can do this. I think I'm kind of a good writer. This is working out okay. I'm pretty confident with all this because it takes time. And I think ultimately that's all. I wanted to just say my little boat metaphor because I just feel like it's a really good metaphor. You gotta have your boat ready before you push it out to water. And then once you're in the water, keep fucking paddling until you get to the end. Don't stop, don't get distracted. But also just uh, go slow. I know I've said it a zillion times in this podcast. It's old news, but I just keep reconfirming it for myself and it's just more and more true is just like writing is easier it's better it's more fun and it feels much more doable and much more realistic for me all of those things it's better in all ways if I go at a slow consistent pace so anyways you can hear I was in the nice woods and now I'm not. Now I'm by the highway. So that's as good a reason as any to wrap this shit up. This is the same forest, by the way, that last year I did an episode going through this forest at nighttime. And just about how uh, absurdly scary things can be in the night. For the record, I'm back in that hood. But all right, what song? What song are we gonna play? I mean, obviously I could play Duhast, but I just I don't want to. I'm not even that big of a fan of Duhast. So let's play Sonna, which every fucking word of German I know is either from a Rammstein song or a KMFDM song. But Sonna, S-O-N-N-E, just means sun, S-U-N. At least as far as I can gather from this song. But that seems appropriate because it's a Rammstein song and it's about the sun, which again is like, that's what Superman is all about. He's all about the sun. So here's some Rammstein. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Sie wird heute Nacht nicht untergehen und die Welt
Verlust lässt sich hart zu Boden 